This is the golden question. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 20 of the Golden Question podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be answering the question, why did God prohibit interest? Now, I'm going to try to answer this question mostly economically, because I believe that obviously God has a rule of law that he applies towards economics in the world. And what I mean by that is, the laws that we see in economics are the laws that obviously are administered by God, and they are there for a reason. Um, you know, just as how scientists see the laws in in science, the law of thermodynamics, um, the law of gravity, all these different laws, how nobody can really understand why these laws are here. And the best explanation that science can give us is that these laws are the way things are, and there's you can't ask the question. Um, we could apply that same idea of thinking towards economics. Why is there a law of supply and demand? Um, why are these laws the way they are? And I believe that just as how God creates these laws in in their relation to the, the physical world, they are also applicable to the laws that we see in economics. And who knows? I mean, one day we could try to connect the two. Um, but I'm going to be focusing on why I think interest is prohibited and why I think that is a law that needs to be administered into the economy. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Again, I've answered this question many times in fra fragmented pieces in several podcasts, but I feel like if I combine it into one podcast, um, hopefully it'll make my answer a lot clearer. So the reason that God prohibits interest is because interest in and of itself does not constitute towards the production of goods and services. All interest does is help an individual purchase and bid up demand for the goods and services that are already created in the economy. And you could look at an individual who wants to buy something, but he can't afford it. Normally, under a, under a free market, following God's laws, I would have to work in order to save up the funds in order to purchase that good or service. But because interest rates are positive or negative, let's just say they're positive, it allows me to borrow money and take out a loan to purchase something that I have not yet, I cannot yet afford and I have not yet saved up for. So what does this do? Obviously, it bids up the prices of goods. Instead of allowing uh, the price of a good be determined by how many people who can actually afford to buy the good, instead it's now opened up to a much larger pool of people, both of whom who can afford it and those who cannot afford it but are simply able to afford it by, the, by debt. And again, I'm going to use the terms loans, debt, um, and interest sort of interchangeably. 
So as you can see, interest always goes hand in hand with debt. Whenever you have interest rates, you're presumably putting a price on money so that you can lend out your, your money. Now, there's nothing wrong with lending out money. And I think the capital markets are the way to do so. And you get something in return for your money that you lend out. You have a stake in that company and you care about the long-term uh, ramifications of the company. You care about it long-term because the bigger the company grows, the more that portion is of that company grows. However, when you're dealing with loans, when you're dealing with debt, the, the only thing that really is an interest of you is whether or not you get that principal back with the interest. And sometimes you don't even care about the interest portion. You just care about if you get your principal back. And that's the irony in this. So if I loan somebody out some money, I don't care if he, if he grows financially, if he does something good with that money. As long as I get my prescribed interest and my principal back, I'm happy. And I don't care if he has to go through a bunch of hurdles to get my money. As long as he gets it back, that I'm fine. And what does it do? It, right? it forces the other person who borrowed from you to now have to find a way to get your money back. Now, it's already bad enough for him that he's now having to pay back the principal as well as the interest. And obviously, if he couldn't afford to pay back the principal, what makes him think he'll be able to pay back, again, the principal on top of the interest rate? But now he, 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 does, he tends to do illegal things, right? He might do things that he normally wouldn't have done to try to get that money back. And obviously, this forces a person to do um, you know, morally wrong things to try to get the money back. And, the, and things that they know they're wrong but they, they, they decide to do so regardless. So interest, again, goes hand in hand with debt. Debt is obviously a bad thing. Anybody who thinks that the economy can grow with the accumulation of debt is, is mistaken because as we've seen, and you could look at countless anecdotes of, of people who go into debt thinking that it'll help them, Right, they take on ma massive amounts of loans to help pay for things, and then they realize that those things can't repay themselves back and and pay back the interest. Right, if I take out a loan to go to uh, to go to school, but then my degree doesn't provide me enough to to pay back the the loan on top of the interest. So you you see these examples littered all over society. Furthermore, another aspect of debt. Um, an interest is in terms of the federal government and the central bank. One of the reasons why I would say we have interest rates and why we have debt is because we have a fiat currency. We have the Fed who prints up currency and administers it to the public and then expects to get paid back in return. So the concept of interest, the concept of debt, right away emanates from the central bank. Because you have a central bank, and then we have a bunch of other banks that can borrow money from the central bank, that's the main goal of the central bank. The main goal of the central bank is to create credit in the economy, to make debt. It prints up money, and it loans it out to other banks, and then it expects uh, a set amount in, in return. 
right from the start, the concept of a Federal Reserve revolves around the idea that I can print money, right? We don't have a, a, um, a gold standard. We don't, we're not using gold. We're not using real money, which I think gold is a form of money that, that God has given us. And I'll t- I guess maybe, I'll, I don't know if I'll talk about it in this episode, but maybe in a future episode, I'll talk about the characteristics of gold and why it's a miracle, honestly, why gold exists. If, if you want to talk to an economist and you want to persuade him that God exists, just point to him towards gold. Look at the characteristics of gold, what makes it the only uh, substance for money, and then maybe they'll be convinced because it, it truly is a miracle. But back to the Federal Reserve, if we had a gold standard, if we, if we allowed banks to hold gold, and again, ultimately, you let people decide what form of money they want, but I guarantee you people are going to move towards gold, as I said, with those characteristics that make it irresistible to, use, uh, to, to, use, to not use something else's money. Fundamentally, you wouldn't have interest rates because you wouldn't have a central bank who's going to print up money to then loan out to other businesses. And I think the, the central bank is another perfect example on a, on a macro scale of why interest rates are bad and why debt is bad. Because what does it enable? It enables the Federal Reserve, or any central bank for that matter, to print money, to print its own currency. And letting that money go into the economy is bad enough, right? We've, it, all it does is create inflation. Letting that money also go to the federal government, right? Where the federal government now consumes debt and borrows money that the Federal Reserve prints, what does it do? It enables the federal government to grow. So right away, the, the printing of money from the Federal Reserve not only affects, you know, everyday citizens in, in their short-term economy, now that they have to uh, compete with, with, the rising, with rising prices due to inflation. And again, the very definition of inflation is an increase in money supply, but it also enables the federal government to expand. And obviously, that's going to pose a threat to the citizens of that nation. So we see that everywhere, whether you look at it politically, um, at a governmental level, or at an economic level, and even at a personal level, right? You could see how interest rates, uh, how, excuse me, debt. From a from a personal level, from a from within from within a family, how debt can can devastate a family, can devastate an individual, and not only will it uh, make them poorer, but it'll make them do illegal things. As I said, when somebody tries to pay back um, an individual, they might do illegal things just so that they can get the money to pay back. No matter where you look at it, personally, economically you know, in terms of macro or at a governmental level, interest rates and debt are dangerous to a society or to a civilization. And I think we could see this example in in previous civilizations where they've gotten carried away, the governments wanted to grow, they wanted to, to, to fund more wars that they couldn't afford, and so they debased the currency. And from that, the society tends to tends to collapse. So I think from a historical point of view, debt and interest is also bad. So again, no matter where you look at it in life, debt, 
aka interest, aka fiat currency. It's all the same thing, right? I'm I'm I can lump interest rates, debt, fiat currency all in the same thing because they're all tied together. You can't have one without the other. Um, and so this is why when when God prohibits interest rates, prohibits usury, um, it, it makes it makes total sense once you sit back and really think about it. And again, I, I'd like to emphasize one quick point about um, for, for people, because I guarantee you a lot of people who who try to defend interest rates always point towards the idea that it can help businesses. First of all, I think that an individual, um, a person who's just working, a person who doesn't have their own business, he's just an employer, uh, an employee, excuse me, just as how it's bad for him to go into debt. Why all of a sudden is it different for a business? Because I think the economics are very similar. They might not be exactly the same, but the economics for a businessman is, um, or for a business owner, excuse me, and, and an entire business, you can contrast that with the economics of an individual. And you realize that there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of parallels between the two, right? An individual has expenses. An individual has to pay for things. He has to make a profit. You got to say the same thing for a business, obviously, right? The business needs to make a profit. The business has expenses. Now, somebody could say the business can go into debt so that it can expand. Well, why doesn't that work for an individual? Why can't an individual take on debt to expand himself? It doesn't work. And what I what I like to say is um, to to people who who always bring up the case with with businesses going into debt is. Why not allow the capital markets to grow? And I hinted it at the beginning of this podcast. If, if a business can take on um, investors and offer them a stake in the company, it's ultimately better for, himself, uh, better for him or her, herself. Because the, the investors now have a long-term interest in the development of that business. Because they have a stake in your company. And you ultimately have to sacrifice a, a, a portion of your company to investors. You can't just acquire wealth for free, essentially. You can't get something for nothing. And there, again, there's no way of, of, of going around it or, or trying to hide from, from the portion. Because you have to offer something up front. When a business acquires investors, they give them... Uh, they give the business money. He has to give them a share in return. There is no, I'll give you a share in the future, or I promise something. There is no promise. It's based on actions that are done in the present time. Um, and, and it's one thing exchanged for another thing. When you look at debt, a business technically gets something for nothing at the start. And... Again, it depends on the terms of the contract, but a lot of the times if the, if the business decides not to pay, all right, it's bad for the business. Yes, their reputation is going to be ruined. We, you, you could argue that. But relatively, the business could just say, I don't want to pay you back. And, 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 you, and the investor, in that case, it's bad for the investor. They lose their money. So, and in that sense, if that does happen, 
then the business effectively got money for nothing. And again, I, I know I'm speaking in hypotheticals, but I I like to, to to simplify it a bit so you can get a better understanding. So, and and another argument for for the capital markets is, as I said, the investors have a invested interest in the business. If I look just as how if an individual loans money to another individual and they're worried, they don't care about what the individual does, whether or not he becomes successful or his income grows or anything. Um, he just wants his, his principal back. And yeah, it'll be nice if he has his interest back. Um, the same thing could be said for um, a business, right? If I loan my money out to a business, I don't care whether or not that business grows. I mean, it'll be nice for that business to grow so that then I can probably lend them more money and charge them a higher interest. Um, but again, relatively, you don't really care whether or not the business grows. You just want your principal back. And again, it'll be nice to have the interest. And what's the irony there, right? In both cases, the person loaning out the money really only cares about the principal, right? If he gets back his principal 0%, he's actually happy. He's like, all right, thank God I didn't lose money. So right there, that's a risk. And that's the that's the irony, I think, in this is that when you loan out your money, even if you get back what you loaned out, you're still happy. Um, obviously, given that there's no inflation, and again, inflation is tied in with, with interest rates. And I think that's the term that I was missing before. If I had to lump inflation, um, inflation slash deflation in a way, because again, they're, they're both the same thing. Inflation slash deflation. And again, um, on a on a macroeconomic scale, they both balance each other out. There are inflationary forces and there are deflationary forces. But let's say the general trend of an economy, if it's inflationary or deflationary, um, debt, interest rates, loans, I lump those in the same thing. But back to the irony that I was saying, I think that that that's a a really strange irony that you only care about your the, the 0% part of the loan, right? The interest is nice to have and it's it's nice to to see that you you made some money off the loan, but really you only care about the principal. That's the thing that if you don't get your principal back, then you're pissed. Then you're you know, then you then you think you lose uh you lost or you uh, or you lost money. You really only care about the principal. So I think I've I've made a case for um, why God does not allow interest, right? Why God has prohibited it in Scripture, whether you look at the Old Testament or the New Testament. And from an economic point, whether or not you believe in God, you could you still see how interest um, and debt is bad for a bad for a society. Again, both personally, economically, and at a government level, and really that strikes the 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 miracle that that you could start to see is that how again how can somebody in in the start of the seventh century, and you can even argue before that if you if you're bringing up the the old and new testaments, um, how can a person before we had this this economic structure say something? as uh, profound as we should get rid of interest um, and it still be prevalent till this day. And, and that's one of the, the miracles I think of, of the laws of God is that 
the miracle is that they test, um, they stand the test of time. Right? There's no law of God that you could say is outdated. And again, you could bring up, um, and I see people do this, they bring up, you know, this idea of women's rights, women equal, uh, women's equality, and stuff like that. But again, you could still argue against that thing, um, you know, from a from a political standpoint. And I don't want to get into that now. We could probably do another another podcast on it. But that that is striking to me. The miracle uh, that is the the testament that all these gods, uh, all of these laws of God, have standed. Um, despite uh, hundreds, literally hundreds, and literally again thousands of years, right now you can argue two thousands of years uh, since their creation, and how they are still in effect today. And I really don't consider this a work of man, right? A man could not have come up with these laws, and for them to stand this span of time, there really is, is a miracle involved in there. And um. Just as how you can look at science and find proof of God, just as how you can look at society and find and find proof of God, um, and in science you could look at biology, you could look at astronomy. There's all different aspects of life you could look at uh, the proof of God. Um, historically, um, you could find evidence of past civilizations that also um, had monotheism. You could look at the proof of God in um, uh, politics um, from a governmental level. Right, we need limited government why we can't have this expansive authoritative totalitarian state. You could also find the proof of God, believe it or not, in economics. And just as how um, there's a Hadith where um, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he was approached by an individual who's complaining to him that the prices of this specific good, I don't think the good was... Um, was stated but he said the price of this good is too high can you please do something the, the price of this good is too high um it's rising too fast um and you could assume that he can't afford it his probably his friends or his family can't afford it and he he comes up to the the, the prophet um and he tells him can you do something right you're you're the prophet you you have some power you have some um some some authority um, directed by God, can you do something? Can you tell you or can you get God to do something? And what does the prophet say? He's, he replies and he says, I can do nothing. Only God controls the prices. And I think that, that was a, that, that's a fascinating hadith. Um, and it, again, it, it, it really, uh, brought this, uh, wave of fresh air and and it really revitalized my my understanding of of economics just from that one hadith and it, it also provided um a source of legitimacy for for what i believe in, in um economically because when i first started to understand economics i sort of thought it was this separate thing from god right and and religion i i thought you know economics is here i believe in this i believe in that there could be it could be right or wrong um, but maybe God doesn't really care about the economy. He's, he only cares about uh, philosophical and social aspects. But because of this hadith, it really connected the two. And, and it, that really sh- struck a connection. Um, and it, it was that hadith really pointed out that connection. And again, it also 
brought awareness into how God can be seen in every aspect of life, including economics. So, and and what, what I think what we could ref, we could imply by th- that hadith is that this free hand that uh, you know conservatives people who believe in the free market, this free hand is in a way the hand of God acting over the economy, um, indirectly controlling the economy. Obviously, you could say it's happening naturally; it's the natural laws. But then, if you're if you're asked, you know who who made up these laws? Who came up with these laws? If you don't believe in God, you really don't have an answer, right? These laws are just here. But there is an invisible force, the invisible hand, as we we're all taught in by Adam Smith. This invisible hand is God. And it is, again, not, again, not literally, obviously, but it is God's way of controlling things indirectly. Obviously, his hand is not over us. You know, controlling things. Obviously, we don't directly communicate and ask him for for things. the The beauty of the world is that it it happens naturally. But that natural effect that things go that things um occur is directed by God, and I think that's the miracle. Um, so I, I've I've sort of um diverted away about the concept of interest rates, but I believe that interest rates are harmful to the economy. And just as how uh, they're harmful to an individual, and what I mean by that is obviously an individual's tendency to incur debt um, and incur um, and to to overconsume because of debt. And I think that's another aspect. People who who complain about this this um, consumerism society, how we're just consuming too much uh, too many things. I think you could point the finger to debt, right? Because we have access to debt, we're allowed to live beyond our means. We're allowed to overconsume. We we're allowed to, per, to to purchase things that we don't need and that are all, that are ultimately bad for us, right? We buy things that deviate our our belief in God. We we tend to um, again buy things that we don't really need, and this idea of of capitalism it it, it actually and, and if we talk about it in a sense of the, this gold standard without interest rates, this this uh, this capitalist structure really puts people at ease and it brings happiness to people because it gives us what we need and it creates happiness. When you have extra things beyond your needs, such as some of your wants, um, a lot of a lot of the times those wants are actually bad for you. And how do we acquire those wants if there are no interests, right? You have to work for it. Um, and then you, after you work for something, you tend to think twice about purchasing it, right? If it's your own money at stake, you tend to really make sure you need that good or service before you purchase it. But if you're using somebody else's money, right? If somebody loaned you some money and you didn't actually work for it, you tend to buy, you know, whatever the heck you want. Even even if you know whether, even if you have doubts about it, you still buy and you're like, yeah, what the heck? And I and I, let me get it. And so you tend to buy things that are harmful towards you. Again, because of this access to debt. Take away that access to debt. And you're left with people. Uh, I think I'm making sure. Uh, I want to make sure I'm saying debt and not death, because when I speak fast, I, I think I, it slips out death. Uh, but I, I assure you, I mean debt. Um, so a person who has access to debt, as I said, tends to buy things that are out of his needs, and he sort of overindulges in his wants, and he sort of, um, again, over 
he he tends to let his desires get out of control. And obviously you could point at other aspects of life where if you let your desires go out of control, um, bad things can happen. So hopefully I've made a strong case. I know I've went, it wasn't organized at all. And I went from one topic to the next um, without, you know, any formal segue. But hopefully I've made a case for why God has prohibited interest rates. That's a weird word. Prohibited it or prohibited interest rates. Um, and I think that it's a miracle that he has and that we are able to see the laws of God right before us, right? They were stated hundreds of years ago before anybody had any clue about the, the, the economic systems of the future. And yet the rules that they prescribe are still in effect. They still concern us even to this day. And I think that right there is a miracle. Um, and I think when God says to look around for his, for his evidence, just see, open your eyes, use your mind, look around. If you want proof that I exist, just look around, right? Look at life, see how life operates, and you'll see that I exist. And I think a perfect example of this is when I looked into economics, if I just looked into the way the economy works, it has pointed me towards God, right? The, the system um, that is set up without anybody's control, everybody wants to have control over it, right? Governments want to control the economy. They want to act as God, but ultimately they don't have control. God has the ultimate control over the economy. And I think that right there says it, and we could conclude it um, right here. So I hope you guys enjoyed, and as always, stay safe.